You're listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast, hosted by Alan Draper and Eric Bassett. Each week, they'll discuss ways to scale and grow your pest control company with a goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire. If you guys are thinking about what price you should have, I mean, kind of the, the whole philosophy of the original question, right? Like, what price are you guys thinking? Alan, you mentioned something in the beginning that I think is really important, and you've mentioned this many a times through different episodes, is that your price tag is also a, a marketing tactic. You know, the pricing that you're throwing out there into the market, you're communicating almost immediately, we're this type of company. This is right. the kind of quality that you're going to get from my business based on the price tag that I tell you. Welcome to the Bug Bucks podcast, a podcast designed to help you become a bug money millionaire. Today's episode is brought to you by Bug Bucks Plus, the number one course designed to help you start and grow your pest control company. I'm your host, Eric Bassett. And of course, we've got Alan with me. How's it going over there, Alan? Going great, man. Going great. Yeah, I think this episode is, it might drop either right before Christmas, right around Christmas, something like that. So hopefully for everybody who's in kind of the colder climates, you've got a white Christmas. It's beautiful and awesome. And I'll be super jealous of everybody who is in the warmer climates. <laughs> yeah. They celebrate Christmas with palm trees and everything else. Lucky guys. So uh, before we dive into today's episode, just want to remind everybody listening, the best way to receive new episodes is by subscribing to our show on your preferred podcast platform like Apple, Google, Audible, or Spotify. If you love the show, please leave us a rating and a review. And one last reminder, if you haven't joined the Facebook group, go to Bug Bucks. That is B-U-G-B-U-X. We've got over 3,700 other pest control owners in that group waiting to connect with you and share their thoughts. That's also the best way for you to share your feedback on our show and have your questions highlighted and discussed here on the podcast. So make sure you find us on Facebook and join the group. Speaking of the Facebook group, this is one of our favorite things to do. We just kind of dig through the Facebook group, find a question that we think would be an awesome topic and dive in. So Zach Hooten uh, asked this one in the Bug Bucks Facebook group. He says, hey, guys, curious, what's everyone's prices for initial residential service and quarterly rates uh, for 2024? Thanks. We typically treat interior and exterior. So assuming that Zach is kind of the traditional general pest interior, exterior kind of kind of company, what are your what are your pricing? So it's a cool question. Before we dive into it, you know, at Natura, we when we sit down this time of year, right? Kind of November, December, and we kind of go through our planning, projections, forecasting for the next year. Pricing is one of those things we look at. We take a peek at what our existing pricing is for all of our service offerings. And we ask, hey, you know, does this price make sense? Did this price allow us the customer acquisition that we wanted this previous year? And where should we move it if we move it? right? So should it go up? Should it go down? Or should it stay exactly where it's at? And you'd be surprised. Most of the time, we regularly increase pricing. Some stuff stays the same. And some stuff we actually reduce. We figure out over the course of the year that our profitability is great. The timing isn't necessarily as intense. And uh, we can actually afford to reduce the pricing, which just allows us to be more competitive in the market. So, but I want to throw this over at you, Alan, you know, when it comes to some of the philosophies on, you know, pricing services, what are some of your pro tips? What's some of the stuff that's kind of right on the top of your head? Well, there's a lot of things to think about. It's not just dollars and cents because your pricing can affect things like your brand. You can have mm -hmm. a marketing aspect where you want to have a loss leader 
or you want to have a specific offer. And so you want to have a decreased price for a given period of time or whatever, a campaign or so it's not just looking at the PL. So other people on the team need to be involved in this. If if you're in charge of everything, then I guess it's just you. You have all those roles in <laughs> one room with just you there. But if you have somebody that's over marketing, somebody that's over sales, you want to get as much feedback as possible. You want to get feedback from your technicians. You want to get feedback from your customer service reps. You want to hear what people are saying about the price. Now, keep in mind that sales reps are always going to want lower minimums. They're always going to want that mm-hmm. that leeway so that they can back down to it. Now, top sales reps are selling higher contract values, but so so take that with a grain of salt. Also, you you want to know how it's affecting your retention. Mm-hmm. And but a lot of data, the other thing to think about is a lot of data coming from your your teams could be anecdotal where it's like one person the day that you're asking them you know got two cancel calls because of price and so that's at the top of their head yeah mm. everybody's canceling yeah it feels like that but we have tens of thousands of customers that aren't canceling that never call about price so make sure you take those things kind of in stride but be asking for that information nonetheless. Now, Zach kind of asked this question like, and I appreciate the question. I think it's a great question. And I think it's a great question because it starts a discussion, not because we give him just the answer, hey, a one-time service is $2.99. We do, you know, Mm. monthly billing, $125 a quarter or whatever, right? Like that's not where the real help comes in because I don't know where Zach is located. I don't know his operating costs. I don't know the size of his business. I don't know what his growth and trajectory goals are. I don't know what personnel he has. I don't know all these things and and all of those things matter. So, but let's chat about a few of those. So if I'm, I'm trying to put myself in Zach's shoes. I think he might be, did he say he was starting from scratch? You know, from this question, it actually seems like, he seems like he's established, Okay. Um, you know, when he says, Hey guys, curious what everyone's pricing is for this. And he says, we typically treat interior and exterior. So okay. I'm assuming he's already operating. Okay. So if he already has prices in place, y- you, you want to make sure that you understand how your pricing is going to f- affect your long-term goals. So if Zach comes mm-hmm. to me and he's like, Hey, Alan, we don't really care about the bottom line. What we're trying to do is at a thousand customers this year. And so that's going to change what I think about his pricing. Now, I think there's a way to do that and keep your pricing high, but you have to identify what your objectives are. Another thing, Eric, that you have to identify is what is two KPIs that are very, very important. Number one, how much does it cost me to perform my average service, right? And you can figure that Mm -hmm. out with your gross profit. So you you toss your variable costs into a pile and you divide it by the total number of your services. Keep in mind that if you are offering free reservices, you need to include those reservices in that number that you divide your total expenses by also. So that you know, like, hey, it costs me on average to do a service. It costs me about 16 bucks or 18 bucks or whatever it is. So then you know, hey, I'm 
I'm going to base my pricing off of that so that I can have a gross profit margin of, you know, it's got, you, you got to target at least north of 50%, right? You got to get, you mm-hmm. got to get that up there. I like to target even higher than that, 70, north of 70%, so that it can trickle down to my bottom line because you're going to have a bunch of fixed expenses that your service cost is going to have to pay for in addition to the variable costs. You're going to have to still pay mm-hmm. for if you have a building and your vehicles and all that stuff that doesn't come out of the cost of goods sold, you still need to cover that and have a profit at the end of the month. So there's quite a few things to think about with this, but as you're, you know, and I would recommend like you do, Eric, I'd, I'd recommend that you review pricing annually. I would recommend that you have an automatic price increase plan in place where it's what whatever it is. I've heard all sorts of different ideas. And and I know there's some people that, you know, it's a badge of honor for them to say, "Hey, I haven't raised prices in 20 years." If that is your tactic, that's okay. Make sure that people know that, make sure that you're using it to your advantage. Don't just not raise prices because if you haven't raised prices in 20 years, I don't know how you're still in business, especially after the inflation that we've experienced over the last couple of years. But setting that aside, a very specific reason for not raising prices, I think that you should have a regular raise, whatever that is, whether it's every year, a small amount, or every three years or whatever. We have price raises every year for a third of our company. So every three years, everyone gets a price raise, but it's not happening every year. We also do, and so those are our proactive price raises. And then we also do more reactive price raises depending on what services are costing us and what's happening with inflation. What you'll notice a lot of times when you do a price raise is that you're getting rid of customers that you don't really want anyway. It's tipping them over just enough to where they're, you know, with the 80-20 rule, they're saying, you know what, I don't want to do business. And I'm not saying that you just want people to walk away from your company because I think you'll be surprised how few do when there's a price raise, especially if you take time to explain it to them. Hey, You've seen the cost of groceries go up. A big factor of that is because of what gas prices have done. Gas prices for us, that is that is a huge line item, Susan. Like that's, you know, and we're still trying to pay our people a competitive wage. You kind of talk to them through like that. One final thought before I hand it back over to you, Eric. We have to be really careful in this industry that we don't get accused of like price fixing. So I don't think it's mm. a, I don't think it's a bad idea for us to say, Hey, you know, what, what are, what's the ranges? What are things like this? But I've seen in other groups, I've seen people be like, Hey, can we all agree? I've seen this st- statement so many times. Can we all agree <laughs> not to charge for a service for less than 150 bucks or whatever you can't do? That's it. That's illegal. That's uh, against antitrust laws. So you can't really form that type of uh, co-op or whatever and do that. But it is a good idea to talk to talk with your peers and kind of find out where they are. It's a great idea to shop around. It's a great idea to know. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing that I didn't bring up. And then I'll, sorry, then I will hand it back over to you, Eric. And that is, <laughs> you got to know where your uh, competition is. Yeah. And you know, it's, man, we could do a whole entire episode. We've done uh, whole episodes that go kind of revolve around price increases and the philosophy behind it and the pros and cons and the logistics behind doing price increases. Um, you know, just real quickly, um, if you're not doing price increases, not only are you missing out, but you're creating your own means to an end, right? You, you just have to understand that in order for you to continue providing an excellent service that your customers deserve, that I hope you're trying to deliver, 
that excellent service will increase in cost over time. Mm. And if you are not continuing to increase your prices, um, all you're doing is shrinking the profit margins until it's going to get to a point that you can no longer afford to provide the same quality of service. I literally say that in the price increase letter that I send to customers in order to provide the same level, high quality service you have grown to love. Mm -hmm. This is why we're doing it, right? Yeah. So if you never increase prices, you just have to realize that you're picking one or the other. You're picking the quality of service or you're picking the price increase. And if I were to go and take a poll to all my customers and say, hey, you know, you love my service. We have a great relationship. You know, if what I needed to do in order to continue providing this fantastic service to you costs you a few bucks more per month, is that something you get on board with? 98% of them will say yes, right? Which comes back around to the full philosophy there. 2% are going to have feelings about it, okay? Yeah. Maybe you save a quarter of those 2%. So you're at 1.5% of the people who just say, no way, I'm out of here. You lost 2%, you do a 5% increase, you're plus 3%. Exactly. You know, I'm no math genius here, but hey, I think we're exactly. I think we're cooking, right? So we'll we'll come back to price increases, undoubtedly, I'm sure, sometime in the spring. But uh, just a few things about pricing that I wanted to follow up on. Sit down with your team, write down all the things that you offer, all the services you guys provide, everything you sell, technicians sell, you sell over the phone, everything, and write out the pricing. If you don't have this already, I think a lot of companies probably just operate under the general knowledge, the floating around knowledge of this is what we charge and this is how much it is for things, right? Create a Google Doc, something that can be easily shared through your whole organization. Write down everything you sell and write down the acceptable ranges, the price ranges for those Mm -hmm. things, right? So, you know, I have for every single year, I have a Natura, you know, office sales pricing sheet. And in the sheet, it shows me just right off the bat, general pest, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then in that, the philosophy that we have is the bigger the house, the bigger the property, the higher the price tag, right? Because it's more time and it's more surface Sounds reasonable. Area. And it's <laughs> right, more, more opportunities for us to find bugs and see issues and technicians are going to spend more time there, right? And the bigger the property, usually the more facets of that particular property there is, right? You know, you have like a, a 2000 square foot property. It's probably going to be one story, two story house a yard, fence, maybe a little bit of a a garage and a garden shed. When you have a 5,000 square foot house, we're looking at decks, disconnected shops, garden areas. I mean, you have a lot lot more stuff. So long story short, as it goes up in square footage for a property and the actual house, it goes up in price. And that's both for the initial service and for the monthly bill or the the quarterly bill if you guys choose to, to bill that way, right? And so we have that listed out. It's very clear. That way, my team knows what the minimums are. Like you were saying, they can only go so low on that. And they have a very direct starting point so that they don't have to use extra brain power every time somebody calls in, right? While they're asking questions and say, hey, you know, Susan, uh, what's the square footage of your house over there? Oh, it's 3,700 square feet. Perfect, right? Now they know exactly what their price tag is after they ask maybe a few more questions about, about service-related issues. And then we also have written in there what the applicable discounts are. I also have written in there what the average amount of time a technician is likely to spend at a particular house based on the size. And this helps with logistics, right? So that way when they're scheduling, because my team both does the selling and the scheduling, 
they can go into the actual schedule and they can block out the appropriate amount of time for the specific initial based on the size of the house. So those are just a few things, right? I think it's the philosophy there that the bigger the house, the bigger the property, the bigger the price tag. That is a very logical thing for consumers. Don't get tripped up on that. If you have one price for every house, um, you're, you're missing out, man. And your your profits um, are, are asking for you to have that kind of philosophy. Um, another philosophy here is that the higher the liability of service, the higher the liability that you're going to go back and do a, another treatment, the, the higher the the physical nature of that type of job, the higher the price tag, right? So we talked about bug bucks a little, or not bug bucks, bed bugs, excuse me, a little bit before one of these episodes when we were talking about um, how they can be a pretty profitable service, right? If they're done correctly, um, and if you have everything set up the way you need to, they can be pretty profitable, but that doesn't mean that they're not also going to be labor intensive and product intensive, and you have some additional products you have to pay for. So you know, as you go through these different line items, as you write these down and you talk about what your service offering is, like Alan said, have the conversation with everybody in the room, right? Marketing is going to have their own opinions on this, right? Your inside sales team is going to have their own opinions on this. The technicians, you know, that team is going to have their own opinions on this, right? And then as an owner, it's your responsibility to listen to all that feedback, right? And take into consideration everything that they're saying because they're all going to have thoughts and feelings. And then you kind of bring it all together, make a decision, right? With everybody's thoughts in mind, and then move forward with it, right? We read a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, which is an awesome book. If anybody uh, ever gets a chance to read it, definitely do, especially if you work on a team, you know, with more than just you and and another partner or you and a couple people. But uh, there's a a philosophy in that book called uh, Disagree and Commit, Right. What it means is that if in every meeting that you end up being in, if what you're trying to do is go for consensus, you're going to have a lot of never-ending meetings, okay? Because oh, consensus yeah. isn't something that's always possible. But if you guys can all come to an understanding of what's going on in that meeting, and even if you disagree, if you can commit to what you guys need to do moving forward, then you have a viable plan, right? When, when you don't have a viable plan is when you can't get people to agree, or when you can't get people to commit even with disagreement, because if people don't commit to the plan, even if they disagree, it's dead in the water. They're never going to do what you yeah. want. Right. So just, uh, Jim, Jim Collins wrote a book, good to great. And one of yeah, the, yep. one of the facets of the great companies, which are the top performers over a given time in the stock market. So they were publicly traded companies. One of the top behaviors is that they had this ability to disagree with each other when making a decision or rolling out a new plan or whatever. So the senior mm-hmm. leadership could disagree with each other and they could border on some heated discussions where it doesn't get personal, but people are really getting behind their idea. They're trying to convince others of their ideas. But whatever the decision ends up being, that leadership team gets 100% behind that idea, whether it's theirs or not. So disagree and commit, highly recommended. And I think regarding your pricing structure, I think that's a very important place for for that principle to apply because of not only how it affects your business, but how it affects everybody within your business. It affects customer service reps. They need to understand, hey, we are providing value at the level of our cost 
And so you need to be confident in taking care of customers regardless of their price. If you know, we, we got behind that decision. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. And I'll throw one other quick philosophy out here and then I'll let Alan take us home. If you guys are thinking about what price you should have, I mean, kind of the, the whole philosophy of the original question, right? Like what price are you guys thinking? Alan, you mentioned something in the beginning that I think is really important. And you've mentioned this many a times through different episodes is that your price tag is also a, a marketing tactic. You know, the pricing that you're throwing out there into the market, you're communicating almost immediately, we're this type of company. This is right. the kind of quality that you're going to get from my business based on the price tag that I tell you. So if you're trying to communicate that we are a budget-friendly company, right? Hey, you know, we're cheap, but we're not going to cost you an arm and a leg, but at least you get some kind of professional service. If that's what you want to communicate, then be cheap through the Own price it. tag out there, right? And understand that the customers that come along with that type of, of offering are going to have their own pros and cons, right? But if you want to be the, the quality company, okay, if you want to have a price tag that shouts, hey, you know, price tag is high, just like the quality of service we deliver, right? And you want to appeal to the type of consumer that actually appreciates that, then that's what you want to do. But I will say, if you're going to have kind of a high price tag or a higher price tag, set the price and then prove it, right? Ask yourself, ask everybody in that same room, hey, if we're going to charge this price tag, what can we do to make sure that every time we leave someone's house, the first thought on their mind is, wow, that was worth it, right? So just last thing I wanted to throw out there, and then Alan, I'll let you kind of share some closing thoughts and we'll get everybody out of here. Yeah, for sure. So if you look at car manufacturers, you know, look at Toyota. They have different levels depending on the cost. So a lot of people don't know that Avalon is actually Toyota company, right? And then <laughs> Toyota has uh, a, another even higher than Avalon. It's is, is it Infinity or uh, that's Lexus. Oh, yeah, Infinity and Lexus. Toyota, Lexus and Toyota. Okay, yep. so because they don't want to diminish whatever brand that they're going after, whether it's the budget car, like a Toyota or kind of a high end, um, vehicle. So what your price is says a lot about your business and whatever, whatever your culture is, whatever your target is, own it, identify who your customer base is and own it, but own it through your pricing, right? Walmart makes billions and billions of dollars with their rollback prices campaign. They own mm -hmm. it, right? There's the whole people of Walmart thing. They own it. They know that like you're not going in there and buying caviar, right? It's potato chips and, <laughs> you know, $3 sandals. So whatever it is, own it, but don't go back and forth and and we've made that mistake. We're a more expensive pest control service and when people would call us and say, "Man, that's that's a bit pricey." My response was always you know, if you're looking for cheap, we're actually probably not the best company for you. And that was my way of of owning it, right? Saying, hey, they're, yep. but to have high prices, part of that identity needs to be confidence. You need to, if you're going to charge high prices, the reason people will pay more, they believe that you can handle their problem. And so you have to build that confidence and stick with it. So I hope this helps, Zach go back to the group and ask more questions for anybody that's not part of our group, make sure to join it. 
B-U-G, B-U-X on Facebook. We're adding north of 100 uh, new PCOs every month. Just lots of great resources in there. And make sure you join. Make sure you join the conversation. And please, if, if you want to do Eric and I a favor, if we've helped you in some small way, do us a favor and share this episode with somebody within your company, with a buddy, with a competitor, with somebody in the landscaping industry, some other business. A lot of these same principles apply please share it. That's one of the greatest ways that you can say thank you. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Bug Bucks podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us a five-star rating. Thank you. And we'll catch you on next week's episode.